Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 31. And I've titled this sermon, Being with Jesus. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, and I'll make comments as we go along as we're reading this, and the, and the, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So this is immediately after all the healing has taken place, big, big sort of tumult, you know, big commotion. The leaders, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Remember, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees did. That was a division amongst themselves, and there were a number of these Sadducees who were in the leadership, right? In the leadership that were of, of the Jewish leaders as such. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now, combined with the original 120 that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, the 3,000 that accepted the Lord Jesus on the day of Pentecost, and women and children that may have been added in, along with this group of men now who are being added in, so maybe this is up to 5,000, whatever. But the total number now may be close to 10,000 people that you're talking about. That, you know, so it's this explosive growth that has taken place, and that has its own challenges, but that's what's happening. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. Now, we know from the Gospels, and particularly from John chapter 18, that these were the same leaders, Annas, Caiaphas, and others, who stood, who Jesus was standing before for his trial. Right? When, when, when they were questioning Jesus and were about to crucify Jesus, these were the same leaders, same names that you see here. So they are now standing there or in, in the Sanhedrin, and Peter and John are brought before them. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we, are, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now again, remember, that's coming from Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, and we saw that in Matthew, and we looked at that in Luke chapter 20, when Jesus says, of this, he quotes this verse of himself, and we looked at that to say that the rock on whom, or the, the one on whom this rock falls, will be crushed, but he who falls on that rock will be broken. And we went through that and talked about what that means and why Jesus speaks about it this way. But Peter is now quoting that same scripture, bringing it back into their attention. And he says, salvation is found in no one else, 
for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they, the leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. <laughs> you know, as Jewish leaders, as religious leaders, you know, he puts it right on them, right? You be the judge. Should we listen to God or to you? They can't, they can't possibly say, no, don't listen to God. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, when the people, the believers, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you make the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They, who? The political leaders, did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So our focus this morning is on being with Jesus. Let's jump right in. First thing I want to say is this. People notice when we've been with Jesus. People notice when we've been with Jesus. In Luke 22, we read about Peter vehemently denying Jesus. When a servant girl and two other men confronted him and they said to Peter, this man, Peter, was with him, Jesus. Right? They were confronting Peter. They said, oh, this man has, was, was with him, was, was with Jesus. What was Peter's response? I don't even know Jesus. Never heard of him. In this passage in Acts chapter 4 that we just read, once again, 
the people notice that Peter had been with Jesus. But it's two very different scenarios. In Luke 22, we see Peter afraid and trying to hide. In Acts chapter 4, Peter is bold and glorifying Jesus. What changed? What changed? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been, these, these men had been with Jesus. Peter, who had been with Jesus physically, was now being with Jesus spiritually too. For three and a half years or longer period, maybe because Jesus would have probably known Peter even before, possibly. You know, Peter associated with Jesus. He was with Jesus. But at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, Peter says, I don't even know him. Here now, this transformation is starting to take place. Peter is changing. And he is now with Jesus not just as he had been in the physical, but in the spirit. And Peter's starting to do what Jesus did. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what verse 8 said, and the word of God gave out what he had. That's what he says. I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, I give to you. He's filled with the things of God now with the word of God, with the presence of God, with Jesus. And so he says, let me tell you about this Jesus. And so now he's quoting scripture, he's declaring the will of God, he's telling the very leaders who condemned Jesus to physical death, how they can be saved from spiritual death by accepting this Jesus. He's like, <laughs> he's completely changed. The servant girl and the two men who confronted Jesus before, they would hardly recognize him now. They'd be going, it looks the same, sounds the same. I don't think it's the same. Right? When we think of being with Jesus, when we say, oh, we want to be with Jesus, when I even mention that phrase, we tend to think of the physical presence. And we may think, if only I could have been there when Jesus was walking on the earth. If only I could have seen some of those miracles with my own eyes. If only I could have reached out and touched him. But you know, the greater transformation in the lives of the disciples and the greater evidence of their being with Jesus came about after he was no longer with them physically. The greater, after he ascended into heaven, came the greater witness and testimony that they had been with Jesus. That means that the same opportunity that the disciples had for knowing Jesus, for being with Jesus, the same opportunity that they had and was being manifest is available for us today. We don't have anything less. We're not at a loss because Jesus is not here physically. We're actually in the same wonderful, glorious place that the disciples were. We have the same access to the Word and to the Spirit. And so, we can also experience 
this transforming presence of Jesus in our lives by receiving the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. In John chapter 14, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, he tells them that they will receive the Holy Spirit, that he will come to them, that the world will no longer see him. And then in John 14, 20, he says, in that day, what day? When the word and the spirit are made alive to us. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. You will know when the Holy Spirit and the word is made alive in us, when we receive, when we are saved, when we are chosen, when we are called the children of God, when we can say, I am who God says I am, when that happens, we will know what this means, that Jesus says, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Oh, we can abide in the presence of the Lord. We can dwell in his presence. We can be with Jesus today. Now the presence of God, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the understanding or the instilling of the word of God. We looked at these passages, you know, as in, in fact, after Jesus ascends, or pardon me, he is resurrected before he ascends, he opens the eyes and he opens the hearts of the disciples. Right? So we understood this. But as he's giving us and pouring out these things, especially as it is expressly manifest in Peter and John, all of Jerusalem now is aware. That's what the leaders are saying, right? Everybody in Jerusalem now is, no, is aware that this is happening. This notable event has taken place. But I want you to notice three other behavioral sort of characteristics of Peter and John and really of the early church, of that fledgling church. One, Peter, John, and the church are bold and courageous. They're not afraid of what might happen to them. They were running before. Now they're like, no problem. You can do what you want with us. They are bold. They're courageous. Two, Peter's, John's, and the church's loyalties and priorities are clearly defined. Peter says, you know, what is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to God? We have our priorities straight. We are subject to the authorities. We'll do what's necessary. You put us in jail. We're not trying to create a rebellion or something else, a revolt. No, nope. fine, no problem. But who, who, who are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to God. We know our priorities. We know where we stand. And three, Peter, John, and the church, they obey Jesus' commands to be his witnesses. He said, you wait, you will receive power so that you may be my witnesses. What, is, what do Peter and John say? As for us, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. You know, when you are asked to do some outreach, evangelism, let's go tell somebody, let's knock on doors, let's call somebody, cold call, do something, tell them about Jesus. Do you hesitate? Do you find that difficult? Yeah, it's not that easy, it's not that simple. But you know, I encourage you, 
before you decide what you should do, what act you should take, what outreach there should be, what evangelism you can be involved in, before any of that, get filled up. Go be with Jesus. Get filled up with his word. Get filled up with him. Get filled up with so, so much that it's overflowing so that like Peter says, I can't help it. I can't help but go tell somebody. I can't help but gush about this. Right? I've mentioned this before. You have a great vacation. You know, you can't help but tell somebody, let me show you the pictures. You know, you have a great, you know, maybe these days not as much, but you have a great meal in a restaurant. You can't help but tell somebody, right? Oh, it was great. You should go there too. How much, how much more if we have been with Jesus, if we know him, if we experience his love for us, we, we would say to somebody, oh, I can't, I can't help but tell you. I can't help but tell you what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced. Oh, I want you to be with Jesus too. I want you to know him. I want you to experience this, this life-giving strength of the Lord. Now, we're not spending a lot of time on these three particular points that I just mentioned about being bold and about having priorities right and about you know, being witnesses. But I encourage you, just as we looked at when we looked at Acts chapter 1, these are broad themes throughout the book of Acts. So as we keep going through the book of Acts, keep looking for these themes. Keep looking for the way in which the disciples, the apostles, the church were very bold. They're just, they were not afraid. And it was not because nothing was going against them. It was not because they were, you know, they were living in wonderful safety and everything was peaceful and calm. No. They were being persecuted and put to death. But they were bold. Throughout the book of Acts, you will see that they have their priorities, right? And throughout the book of Acts, you will see that they were witnesses for Jesus. You know, the takeaway for us is that what happened to that first century church? just as possible for us. Because when we are transformed, when we are with Jesus and we are transformed, when people notice the change in us because we have been with Jesus, then our prayers and our actions are also different. Our prayers and our actions change when we have been with Jesus. When we have not been with Jesus, we pray out of our minds, our fears, our concerns, our lack. We look at the checkbook and we say, oh, and we pray. We're calling out to God. It is good that we do that. But we're not praying according to the will of God many times. We're praying according to our thinking. We're leaning on our own understanding. We're looking at our own circumstances. We judge and measure our resources, and then we pray. But when we have been with Jesus, when we are listening to him, when we are communing with him, when you're falling asleep in his bosom and you're hearing his heartbeat the whole night, then when we pray, it's a whole different thing. Then we're not coming back to the Lord and saying, oh God, what about this? Help me about that. Oh, this is so difficult. We say, oh God, oh, we love you. We worship you. We thank you. You are all sufficient. You've given me everything that I need. I am with you. You are with me. 
What have I to fear? What have I to dread? You see, Peter and John, they come to the believers and they told all of them that what the leaders had said and the threats that they had made. And verse 24 says that when they, the believers, when the believers heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. We talked about this, that we want to be a praying church. You hear a good report, we want to raise our voices together in prayer. You hear a bad report, we want to raise our voices together in prayer. You, want, you hear a neutral report, we want to raise our voices together in prayer to God. When Peter comes back and tells the believers, this is what has happened, this is what they said, they don't say, which ruler could we influence? Maybe there are some within the Sanhedrin that are partial to the gospel. Maybe there are some who do believe in Jesus. Maybe we can go and influence them. Maybe we can go and find out who will be on our side. Maybe we can do something. Maybe we need to protest. No, they said, no, we want to pray. And before we look at how they prayed, I want to ask you this question. How would we pray? Peter and John, they were arrested, they are accused, they are threatened. I don't know how severe these threats were. I don't know what they said, right? We'll beat you. We'll beat you some more. I don't know what they said in their threats, right? They let them go, but they threatened them. And then they're coming and telling the disciples, how would we pray? How would we pray? How, how do we pray if we are dealing with missed expectations? corrupt, power-hungry, and ungodly leaders, threats to religious liberty. And if we're not sure what we individually or the church collectively should do in a period of uncertainty, how do we pray? Because guess what? Isn't that what we're talking about today? It's not just about what Peter and John experienced then. Here's how the church prayed in 2020, they declared the sovereignty of God. They said, oh God, you made the heavens, the earth, the seas. You direct the hearts of these rulers. You had purposed beforehand what should happen. You're sovereign. You're in control. We declare it. We remind ourselves. We pray this out not for God's benefit, but for ours to say, oh God, you're still on the throne. Second, they didn't condemn, demonize, judge, or attack the leaders. Rather, they brought them before the Lord. Lord, you consider their threats. Lord, you, you, you watch them. You look at them. Third, they asked for boldness to do the very thing that they were told not to do. Rather than saying, oh God, help us, we've been threatened, F help us to figure out what we should do differently. Do we go into hiding? Do we, you know, do I mean, they don't say anything like, they say, God, give us the boldness to speak. The very thing that we were told not to do, help us to do it because we want to obey you. And then they say, Lord, we're believing you. 
We are believing you. They don't say, please, let it be, maybe. They are, we are believing you for the manifestation of your power, your word, through healing, signs, wonders. It's not maybe. It's, Lord, stretch out your hand and make it so. This is a prayer that we can pray. When everything around us is topsy-turvy. We can say, oh God, you're sovereign. You're on the throne. You're the one who's in control. I can trust you. All the things that are going on around me, I don't need to judge, condemn, attack. I need to commit them to you. I need to pray for those folks. I need to Trust you to work in the hearts of people, to turn the hearts of people. Everything that I'm afraid of, Lord God, give me your courage, your boldness. Right from the Old Testament all the way through, you keep seeing this where God says to people, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Be strong, be courageous. Why? Not because we have all the things that we need, not because we have unlimited resources, but because we have God. He says, don't be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. So we come to God and we say, oh God, we can pray. We get a good report, bad report, and it doesn't matter what kind of report, doctor's report, we can pray. And then, here's what happened. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. You know, a number of you sitting here, and particularly Pastor Art and Carolyn and others, were very involved in building this sanctuary, this building. Wonderful resource, wonderful place for us to come together. And I'm, I praise God that you guys did a good, solid job. Because you know what? We need to pray for this building to shake. We need to pray. We need to pray and say, God, you do some building shaking now. You know, do, do, show yourself strong. Manifest yourself. Let's pray and say, God, you, you know, the early church, there wasn't anything different for them than for us. They didn't have privileges or access to something that we don't. In fact, they had far less resources than we do. Let's pray. Let's pray and say, God, shake it. The word says that in these last days, there'll be a lot of shaking. Things that need to remain will remain. Things that need to be shaken out will get shaken out. But there's a shaking that's necessary. So we as a church, need to pray for building-shaking prayer. Not earthquakes, not just some rumbling or thunder. Yeah, it sounded like thunder. No, no. In the spirit, we got to pray that the Lord moves, that demons would tremble, that principalities and powers would know that they have been defeated, that the declaration of victory would come from our lips with such strength, with such power, with such authority, that there will be a shaking.
What is it in your life that you're struggling with? What is it that you need to declare victory over? What is it that your, in your hearts and in your lives and in your families needs to be shaken up? Pray. Come to the Lord. And when they were shaken up, physically, the building is shaking. And these were not flimsy buildings, by the way. You know, they were pretty solid buildings that they were in, stone buildings, right? The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When we come to the Lord in prayer, when we trust him, when we look to him, we're asking him to fill us so that we can speak the word of God boldly. And we recognize that individually and collectively, these are the days in which we need to be with Jesus. Individually and collectively, we need to be with Jesus. This is the time for us to press into the Lord. This is the time that we have to say, oh God, when all around me is going awry, I can't be shaken because I'm standing on the solid rock. And when I come to you, Lord Jesus, when I make time, when I create space for God, his word, the spirit, when I study the word, when I pray, when I listen, when I ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, when I fellowship with believers who are of like mind, of one accord, when I come together with them in whom the Lord is also present, oh, when I trust that the Lord will do what he has said he will do, when we come together in this way, when we believe that the Lord will accomplish his purpose and his plan, 2020, just a few more weeks left, can look different than even what we expect right now. 2021 can look different than what we think may happen. Why? Because we are been with Jesus. Because we're pressing into him. I want to challenge us, even as we get ready towards, you know, Preachers are always fixing to close, you know, and then they take another 10, 10 15 minutes. So I'm talking, telling you about how we're fixing to close and end this year of 2020. And there's still quite a few weeks left, eight weeks more or more, you know, whatever. Not eight weeks. But I want to remind you that we press into the Lord and we say, oh God, it's not what we think or see or say or what the world says or what the devil says. No. We believe your word. What was true for the church then is true for us today. But we want to press in to the Lord. Every week, we want to respond to the word of God. And I want to challenge you this morning that you respond to the word of God by saying, Lord, we respond by committing to be with you. In your life, that's going to look different than what it's going to look like in another person's life. 
Maybe you need to surrender some things to the Lord and you need to give up on some concerns and fears and all sorts of stuff. Maybe it is to pray in faith for something that the Lord has already said will happen and to persevere in that until it happens. Maybe it is to wait on him for an answer because you don't know what you're supposed to do. But whatever it may be, press into the Lord. Go into his word. Spend time with him. Wait upon him. Ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. And say, God, we need you to move. Press into him. Respond to this word by being with Jesus. And when you are with Jesus, and you are saying, Lord, I want to be with you, you will apply this word very naturally in prayer, in being filled with the Spirit, and in speaking boldly. That should say boldly. Um, that's not a different language. It's, but we will, you, will, you will, in fact, apply by praying, by being filled, and by speaking boldly. And guess what? When we do that, when we press into the Lord in those ways, individually and collectively, the world will notice that we have been with Jesus. Today the world looks at Christians and says, you're no different from me. You have the same concerns, the same fears, and the same difficulties or defeats. You claim to speak about Jesus. I see no difference. We don't need to convince people. We don't need to persuade people. We don't need to force people. We don't need to legislate things. We need to be with Jesus. When you are with Jesus, when you are spending time with him in such a way that you are being transformed, when you will be changed entirely from the inside out, people will notice. Paul says to Timothy, let your progress be evident to all. Let your progress be evident to all. We've been Christians for many years. Most of us here who are in the sanctuary and are listening online. Can the world say of us, oh, you must have been with Jesus. The way you speak, the way you conduct yourself, the way you think, the way you are at peace, you must have been with Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, your word is so wonderfully rich to us. And we thank you, Lord, that it dwells richly in us so that, Father, out of the deposit of that word, we're able to have all that we need for life and godliness. Thank you, Lord, for that provision. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful way in which you speak to us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that what is most notable in this passage is that the disciples had been with Jesus. Father, we pray that for each one of us individually and for us collectively as a church, that we would, Lord, come and be with you, that we would abide in Christ, that, Lord, we would allow you, we would make room, we would, Lord, remove all of the things that stop you from being in us, 
Lord, that we would allow you to, Lord, cause us to be in that perfect union with you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you that our greatest witness to the world, in addition to all that we would say, in addition to all that we would do and minister and serve people, in addition to all the things that we would, Lord, take, Lord, just show acts of compassion and do, Lord, acts of mercy and all of that. I thank you, Lord, that the greatest witness will be that when we have spent time with you, when we have been with Jesus, it will be noticeable. Lord, make it so. Make it so. In our homes, Lord, this week, would there be a noticeable difference? Our spouses saying of each other, oh, it's clear that you've been with Jesus. Our children, Lord, noticing and saying, oh, it's clear you've been with Jesus. In our workplaces, in all our other areas of responsibility, let it be clear that we have been with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray this, and we are confident that we can have this, because, Lord, this is your will for us. So we pray this according to your word, in Jesus' name, amen.